Last week on HPH, we told you about the early life of the Reverend Jim Jones. A big part of that story was the formation in early years of People's Temple, which was a church that evolved into a socialist cult. Today, we conclude the story by following this bunch of nut bars to the jungles of Guyana, where all sorts of wacky hijinks ensued. And by wacky hijinks, I mean the murder of a U.S. congressman and mass suicide. Grab some jungle juice, turn on your Sounds of the Rainforest relaxation machine, and sit back and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History entitled Jonestown Part 2. Been ending most our lives living in a socialist paradise. Don't sue us, Coolio. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Welcome back, everyone. Mm-hmm. Welcome to 100 Proof History, mm-hmm. the podcast that Better Home and Garden said, please stop calling, I've never heard of your podcast. Yeah. So, it's good to be, you know, recognized. Yeah. yeah. Nice to get the name out there. Yeah. We are... 100 Proof History. Uh, you can find us online, all the social media stuff, at 100 Proof History. And you can contact us or leave us voicemails on our website, 100proofhistory.com. Yeah, you can also go to 100proofhistory.com if that's shorter for you. Well, you know, we just have both bases covered. That way they can interpret what I said. Yeah. And they're still going to get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, however they interpret it. By the way, that is the voice of your main host, Gregory. And the one that just introduced me? That's your sexy host, Chris. I like it. I like how we're doing that. It's reversal kind of, here. It's yeah. kind of like the in, intertwining of champagne glasses you do at a wedding or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then you just chug it and yeah. make an ass out of yourself. And then the groomsman asks you to leave. Yeah. I wasn't well, asked. Best man, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I wasn't asked to give a speech, but I wrote one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and here it is. Yeah. Long, let, in long form. Let me tell you how I would have won if I was the Germans. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, you can also check us out on lemonparty.org. Yep, that is us. Again, that's at least one of us, but I'm not going to tell you which one. (laughs) Although I have told you before. Yeah, you said you were a geriatric before, so. Uh, I don't even know if that website still exists. Just like Meat Spin from last week. No idea. No idea. Never heard of it. I would also like to plug, you know, podcasts do this at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'd like to plug our live show. Yeah. Uh, We have a live show coming up at the uh, local abandoned mall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be hanging out in the old Sabaro, so you can come visit us. Uh, not entirely legal, so we're not selling tickets, but it is bring your own meth. So I hope you guys enjoy that. All right. Yeah. It'll be fun. Our main source today is The Road to Jonestown by Jeff Ginn. Yeah, and I'd like to go ahead and issue a content warning. We did this for the Holmes episodes where we talked about before where if it's a history problem, you know, like there's you know a war or rebellion, it's understandable there's going to be a lot of death. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking death at the back end of this episode, and a lot of it involves children and, you know, just painful suffering. There's yeah. some messed up stuff with uh, involving snow shovels, which we'll get to. So just want to put that out there, let you guys know that this is going to get dark. Yeah. And fun. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think to help calm them down, what I'm going to do is my, uh, you know what ASMR is? I don't. ASMR is this new fad on the internet where people talk real softly and make real soft noises real slowly over on a YouTube video. It's supposed to be very calming. Uh, some people get like goosebumps and chills from it. And some people kind of have a fetish for it. So for this entire episode, I'm going to 
And then they took the poison. Okay. I hate this. Now I'm going to take out my toothbrush. I'm going to hold on one second. Just listen to this. All right, I'm going to dip my toothbrush in this rum. Brush my teeth. Is this a real thing for real? This is a real thing. Yeah, but I'm not going to do it this episode. Right. Immediately tune out. Yeah. Man. (laughs) So you know you're turning into old man. You just don't hear about these new fetishes and fads. Or just, yeah. Yeah. All that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is Facebook? I keep hearing about it. Everybody keeps posting on it in my live journal feed. I just don't understand what it is. MySpace is flooded with (laughs) gone to Facebook. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Well, Gregory, what are you having to drink today? Today, I am having... Having... <laughs> Today, I am having... Today, I am having Wild Turkey Rare Breed. That's a good 117 proof. Mm. Yeah. It's a strong boy. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm drinking it is because Jim Jones is a rare breed. Yeah. He, you know, they say <laughs> 97% of humans mm-hmm. ever are dead, and most of them are forgotten within three generations. That's true. I don't think that's going to be the case for old Jimmy Jones. That's just proof to our listeners that there are ways to be remembered. You want to kill a bunch of people? Yeah, people remember you really want to be remembered, yeah. you, you can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking, bud? Uh, today I am having a rum and coke featuring El Dorado 12-year-old rum. It is from Guyana, which plays a big so- part in our story today. It does. Uh, it is 80 proof. I mix it with a little bit of Coke, so you have a little bit of Guyana, a little bit of American, mingling together, and Mm -hmm. then, uh, you know. Hopefully it ends uh, in less disaster than this mingling of American Guyana from the store. I doubt it. Pay attention to the end of this episode. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's drink this Kool-Aid. It's flavor-aid. That's okay. I know. (laughs) I didn't create the expression, Chris. I know. So to start this episode, I was going to give a quick recap of the last episode, but there's really no real quick way to talk about all of the crazy shit that happened last time. So if you want the full story up until this point, you need to go listen to the last episode. That's all there is to it. Yeah. So basically a crazy religious zealot who, you know, grew up pretty crazy kid. He's got this this cult following and they start seeing him as a god and they're under a lot of pressure in America and they hate the capitalist system. And so they are planning on moving to Guyana in the jungle. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, when we did leave you, People's Temple was still very active in San Francisco, but uh, several of the members had fled to Jonestown, Guyana, uh, which was a socialist village that the members were building in the middle of the harsh, unforgiving jungle. Man, it, it had to take forever, you know, just because the Home Depot was so far away and you got to go through all the jungle and all that shit. Yeah. Like, you couldn't just rent one of the trucks for $20 an hour either. No. You had to carry all that shit through the goddamn yeah. jungle. and Yeah, throw it in the back of your fucking hatchback and try and get, you know, lumber and shit and took multiple trips. And every time you go to Home Depot, you fucking forget something. You got to go back. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I'm just like constantly wandering the aisles, like mm-hmm. looking for what I'm trying to find, hoping someone will approach me and say, sir, can I help you? But I'm not going to approach them. And, you know, because I don't want They look busy. Yeah. I don't... I don't know. It's kind of the same approach I had to dating when I was in uh, high school mm-hmm. and college in my early 30s. The women will come to me, Greg, if <laughs> if I look interesting enough. Uh, but then I just end up in Home Depot, not with the women, end up just texting my dad, hey, where is this? What do I need? I don't know how to fucking do this. Please tell me what to do. Uh, actually, it is the same thing with the women, but you know. You just like 
post up in the middle of an aisle, yeah. cross your legs and start reading like Catcher in the Rye <laughs> as you sip like a, a glass of red wine. Yeah. Just hoping that, yeah, you know, I look interesting and approachable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sir, can I help you? Oh, oh, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> in San Francisco, Jim Jones continued to grow his sphere of influence by helping the mayor get elected. Outwardly, the church was very well respected for their views on racial equality. Internally, Jim Jones was continuing his downward spiral, which is kind of the opposite of this podcast. We're, you know, on the podcast, we're all like bravado and talking shit and big tough guys. Mm-hmm. And then in real life, I'm basically a Canadian. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please. I'm sorry. <laughs> like I make eye contact with someone and no, 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 please. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, in 1975, the temple had over $30 million in their coffers, but Jones continued to demand everyone donate as much as they could. He ordered them to give him their wristwatches so he could sell them and would pass the collection plate around two or three times if he didn't get enough cash. That's shitty, like... Yeah. <laughs> when he passes around, what if you give, like, way more than everybody else, but it keeps coming around, you're like, God damn it, I want this to stop so yeah. you give even more. Eventually... You're looking down the aisle and you're like, dude, Jonathan, fuck... Come on, dude. Come <laughs> off it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. You're giving like a $100 bill and you look down and some dude's putting like in a coupon for an oil change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they give it to Jim Jones's pudgy Elvis looking ass and he just kicks it like Elvis would. <laughs> Everything goes flying. He's like, again. <laughs> like, well, how, how long would that take? This is a giant congregation. Yeah. Just over and over again, just sending it back through and the poor choirs having to sing the same song and, you know. I'll just strip naked and be like, what do you want? I don't have anything. <laughs> Mr. Muggs, the, the chimpanzee mascot, he's mm-hmm. getting so bored. He's just sitting over there fucking chain smoking. Like, oh, fuck, here goes the collection plate again, motherfucker. Pulling on his little pud. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want a donation from me? Here's just fucking shit in the plate. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me. One time I was at the zoo. Man, I was probably, probably eight. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the gorillas behind the big old glass, you know. There was... If I had to guess, probably four or five of them in there. Mm -hmm. But the two that were closest to the glass were kind of on opposite ends of the glass. Okay. So one was on the left, one was on the right. One on the left starts taking a shit and like massive shit is coming out of this, you know, gorilla that's on all fours, ass. The one all the way on the right notices it and does the fucking gorilla charge thing, Uh catches it before it hits the ground. And then just starts munching on it. Oh. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> They're nothing like us. And then I grew up and... Exactly like us. Pay hookers to shit on coffee tables, <laughs> glass ones that I'm underneath and... Man, they're very similar to us. Like, I wish I was as brave as that gorilla. I just can't bring myself to eat it. I just can't do it. I just <laughs> wish I was that brave. Yeah. The most I do is install like potty cams to watch the poop. Right. I, I can't go catch it. No. You know. Yeah. You Ugh, have- I'm terrified of that. <laughs> If that happens, man, you're just you're just gone. <laughs> I got to quit my job. This is just my life now. Just yeah, and collecting and eating human shit. Just a nice coprophiliac. Yeah. you know what that's called? I have no idea. Coprophilia. I'd like to coprophilia. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Well, meanwhile in Guyana, money was being spent like crazy. The members who were there building Jonestown weren't really making headway, so Guyanese locals had to be hired to help clear the jungle and bring in supplies. Uh, some months, these costs reach six figures. It's a lot. It is a lot. Day laborers. I mean, you guys. Yeah, from a third world country. Yeah. And you're still spending fucking six figures? Yeah. They just didn't know how to haggle outside the 7-Eleven. You just roll up. Hey, man, I need a porch built. 
It's like 50 bucks for the day. Mm -hmm. But no, that guy's like, I need 12 grand. (laughs) All right. Hop in, buddy. Not my money. Yeah. I mean, it used to be. How about a wristwatch? In 1976, people began to defect from the temple. Bicentennial. It was, actually. Uh, Grace Stone, she actually did leave on the Bicentennial on Mm -hmm. July 4th. Uh, She was the wife of attorney Tim Stone and mother to John Stone, who you may remember was believed to be the love child of Jim Jones and Grace. Mm -hmm. Uh, She ran away with her new lover, Walter Jones, no relation, leaving her child behind. Kind of shitty. She said she'd send for the child. I mean, she did have a love child with a dude that was not her husband. Yeah. And, uh, like, I don't feel like it's all that unexpected for somebody of this character. Yeah, and especially being in this cult so much. She was like, because Jones is going to say, like, she said she'll send for the kid, but Jones is going to say, he's good with the staying here with the church. And if you're a member of that cult, even if you're defecting, you're like, hey, it's probably a good environment for a kid. Yeah. Learning how to beat people up with hoses and shit. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to go get me some D on the side. He'll be safe there. That's probably what it was. I mean, I've, I've got a kid, you, um, and I know that anytime you go, you get that free weekend, you're like, oh, fuck, God, I, why did I have children, you know? I'm just going to go to a hotel room, have some disappointing sex, watch some fucking Saved by the Bell, fall asleep. Oh, man, it's great. No interruptions from a kid. So that's probably what she was doing, just watching Saved by the Bell all the time. Yep. A good 20 years for it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Another defector fled and left her husband behind with the, the cult after the congregation beat the shit out of her for smoking cigarettes. Guess who else hated cigarettes? Uh, who dat? Hitler. Oh, and he wanted to be Hitler. So there mm-hmm. you go. It is funny that, you know, she's been in this cult for a long time and she's given everything in her life to the cult. And they're like, stop smoking. And she's like, make me. <sighs> And they just beat the fuck out of her with hoses. She's like, you know what? I like cigarettes better than I like this fucking cult. I'm out. Fuck you. I'm in. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. But even then, for months, Temple members followed her around and threatened her about speaking out against Jim Jones. When Joyce Shaw left, her husband Bob, a railroad worker, mysteriously passed out or fell asleep on the train tracks right as the train was passing and his head was smushed. It's kind of like the grape that falls out of the bag in the grocery store, and you're just like, fuck you, run over it with a cartwheel and cause a slip hazard for everybody else, but whatever. You cartwheels at the grocery store? No, no, with the wheel yeah, of I the know gu- <laughs> I know what you meant, motherfucker. I don't know what's weirder. Yeah. You doing cartwheels down the aisle mm-hmm. of a grocery store or purposely trying to run over grapes at a grocery store? I am vengeful, and I am unjust God, and if you abandon me, I will crush you with a grocery cart. It's just exactly. I don't know what's weirder. <laughs> One of Bob's buddies was suspicious and contacted his friend, U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan. Ryan said he was busy, but he would make time to look into the temple. Jones's sermons got even stranger. When he talked about God, he said, quote, I'm a liberator. He's a fucker upper. Kind of like the uh, it's reasonable take. Yeah. You know, it's a good uh, like if Bounty wanted to make fun of one of their competitors. Bounty's the quicker picker-upper. This one's the quicker fucker-upper. Okay. Fuck you, brawny. I'm glad we got this paper towel joke in early. <laughs> yeah. We I was wondering were. when it was going to come. <laughs> I told you I was going to work a little bit more clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jones also said Jesus was pulled off the cross and he went to India to teach. And when he said that, he's like, I don't care if you fucking believe me. It happened. Like, 
Okay, just fucking crazy shit. Uh, he also said he yeah, but they w- believed him. I know they're like, oh yeah, it makes sense. He went to India to teach, even though they're all hin- deep hin- Hindu. I don't. <laughs> yeah, how deep do you have to have your fucking claws in to these people's brains? I don't know because where it, it's just hey, this happened. Oh shit! Okay, okay. Cool, 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 cool. It gets worse. Yeah, uh, immediately because he also said he was a fucking alien. Uh, not just an alien, but the quote-unquote greatest alien, and the only one who could make it to Earth. Was he fucking Donald Trump of his day? Yeah, like, no one else could I'm do a tremendous this. alien. Yeah, the best alien. <laughs> Absolutely tremendous. People are always telling me, you're the best alien. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also continued to make his members sign blank confessions to crimes. Uh, he did that with the PC, and now he's expanding it to all of his members. He's expanding it to Mac, too. Yeah. <laughs> PC is planning committee. Yes. It was his kind of inner circle, the ones that were closest to him, that was, they, they were his minions doing all of his bidding. Yeah. And if you go back and listen to the last episode, you'll learn that most of the time it didn't really have anything to do with the church. He just wanted to talk to them about who's fucking who. Mm-hmm. It was how he Big got rumor mill. How he got his jollies, if you will. Stephen Ketsaras, the father of Maria Ketsaras, who she was in the PC, uh, when he tried to get his daughter, Jones convinced her to accuse Stephen of molesting Maria when she was just a child. Just so, and she's like, "Okay, cool." I'm like, "Fuck my dad. You're my new dad." Yeah. Yeah. So fucked up. I wish somebody was there to, you know, kind of encourage me to accuse my uncle. Yeah, it's too late now. Yeah. He died of that heart attack once he saw your he pubes. Saw the pubes. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he did. Uh, but you know. Maybe if I'd spoken up sooner. I like that this podcast has given you an avenue just to get that all out for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, maybe that graveyard they found in his backyard, a little makeshift. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> child graveyard. Maybe it would have been a few children shorter. Oh. If I, you know, somebody had encouraged me to speak up. <laughs> you know, that's funnier. Because just before recording, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try and work a little more PG, try and pour general audience. You're like, child graveyard. And, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, and I said, well, I'm not. So. <laughs> you appeal to the broader audience, Chris. <laughs> I'll do me. <laughs> well, in early 1977, Jones sent his biological son, Stephen, to Jonestown because he feared uh, his son was becoming too independent. Uh, and Stephen was like, perfectly okay with it because he got to be away from his crazy ass fucking dad yeah uh he also sent tim stone down to guyana with john stone so that grace couldn't get the boy through the u.s courts he even sent the temple's uh chimpanzee mascot old mr muggs down to jonestown but uh it's really not clear if there's any ulterior motive with uh that transfer oh i bet you there was yeah it's probably like this motherfucker keeps eating all my bananas bananas don't grow on trees do bananas grow on trees yes okay (laughs) um (laughs) So, here's the funny thing about it. It just kind of brought up something. Uh, we had watched that documentary mm-hmm. the last time uh, we recorded. And, you know, they had basically done all these propaganda pieces to make Jonestown look, you know, like some sort of tropical paradise and all that. Right. And he's got this, like, uh, tent in the background, and it's just got bundles and bundles of bananas. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, lined yeah. up all stacked, and then it's like. If you zoom in, there's fucking stickers still on them. <laughs> yeah, it still says Chiquita. Because they had bought the shit. Yeah, yeah. And Mr. Muggs, though, he was in heaven. Which Chiquita, it's where uh, Banana Republic comes from. Oh, d- we should do a story on that one, the Banana Wars. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. It's very crazy and very violent. But all that is to say, I'm not so sure it is a propaganda piece. Because he did send Mr. Muggs down there 
Maybe he ate all the fucking bananas off the banana trees, and they had to go to the store to buy produce because of this fucking chimpanzee. He's the fucking fat ass chimpanzee. I'm just saying, wearing a diaper, smoking cigarettes, just like <laughs> gotta hover around. Yeah, there's like banana peels all fucking around. <laughs> He's got just a little like plastic pint jar of fucking Jim Beam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a hover round, just like. Oh god! Scratching his fucking balls, <laughs> staring you right in the eyes. Fuck! You're making me uncomfortable, you stupid monkey. Uh, I'm not a monkey. Turn on Mama's Family. I want to watch Mama's Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like that story? Well, they call me Bi Curious George. Why don't you come on over here? <laughs> well. Much worse than sending poor Bicurious George down to the jungle. Uh, Jim Jones also forced his the poorer members to sign permission forms for their children to go to Jonestown with whoever in the temple was keeping them. Uh, then, if those parents or the courts wanted to see the kids, they demanded that the parents, who had given all their money to the church, or the courts, pay for the kid to be flown back. Yeah, a little bit of a catch-22 here. Just basically kidnapping their fucking kids. Mm-hmm. And this is when private investigators and journalists began to look even closer at People's Temple. In the summer of 1977, Jones began to move temple members to Guyana by the hundreds, even though it was nowhere near ready. Jones knew that a magazine, New West, was about to expose him with an article featuring stories from members who had defected. Three weeks before the article was published, Jones fled to Guyana himself, leaving his wife Marceline in charge of the San Francisco office. You know, it's kind of really messed up you know because he's fucking everything that moves except marceline and so she's probably like oh you're just leaving me here because you want to go have unabashed jungle sex (laughs) and he's like no 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 it's nothing like that i just gotta you know set up people's temple she's like well why are you uh packing this coffee can full of viagra and a bunch of condoms and taking those down there (laughs) what's that suitcase full of bondage equipment back there (laughs) yeah there's three ball gags we need three ball (laughs) gags for Oh, you can't, are you telling me you need three at one time? You can't just have one you wash off? Jim, I'm starting to think you're cheating on me. Oh, Marceline, just because we've had explicit discussions where I told you I'm going to cheat on you because your vagina doesn't work anymore, you think I'm cheating on you? What the hell, woman? How about a little trust in this marriage? (laughs) When the New West article was published, it clearly laid out the physical abuse of members, the stealing of their money, and Jim Jones's sex and drug-filled life. But most of the temple members were already in Guyana, and the vast majority of them would not be coming back. Well, yeah, it's because they're going to have so much fun living in the jungle. So much fun. Now answer me a question. Yes. How do I have a sex and drug-filled life without, you know, creating a cult and getting everybody eventually killed? Hmm. You know, I, I can't answer that question for you. Damn it. Because I don't have sex, and the only drugs I take are... You know, regulate all the various diseases I've contracted due to my heavy weight. So, um, I guess I just need this podcast to really take off. Yeah. Then. We just need to become superstars. I'll tell you what, hit us up at 100proofhistory.com and let us know how to uh, do a bunch of drugs and have a bunch of sex. Please. Yeah. We teach you history. You teach us how to talk to women. <laughs> <laughs> well, the members that had gotten to Guyana before Jones had been enjoying the peaceful retreat into the jungle and the simple work. Of building a village. They fucking loved it. They're, I mean, yeah. It's just nice and peaceful. Six people. Good yeah. and sustainable. Yeah. You got the you got the bank account open. 
Yeah, you're not having to go to work every day, sit in mm-hmm. a fucking cubicle, listening to some guy's dumb jokes that he's repeating off of fucking Seinfeld. You're just out there. Drinking mojitos. Yeah, drinking mojitos and living the life. Hanging out with a bisexual monkey. I'm sorry, <laughs> a bisexual, bisexual chimpanzee. Uh, uh, Bi-curious. He's not sure. He hasn't <laughs> okay. made up his chimpanzee mind. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I've, I'm just defending this poor... But he does interesting things with those bananas. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, when nearly a thousand people arrived... Yeah. That shit fucking yeah. went by the wayside. Yeah. It all changed. There was not enough food or housing for the amount of members who were now in Guyana. None of this mattered to Jones. Soon, Jim Jones took control over every aspect of Jonestown. People wanting to start a relationship had to apply for permission. Basically, had to get a fucking permit just to see somebody. Mm-hmm. Which is similar, like, anytime I move into a new neighborhood. <laughs> Jesus. I have to go and tell everybody door to door that I live there. Your uncle taught you well. Well, not only that, like, if they no longer wanted to see each other, if they wanted to break up, they had to apply to do that, too. What a shitty fucking system. Yeah. Can you imagine you're having this big knockout, drag-out fight? Like, Fuck you! I'm fucking done! I'm out of here! Get your shit and get out of here! She's like, you didn't notarize the fucking form! Yeah. Oh. It's like divorce just just to break up. Yeah. But I, maybe it was because Jim, like, they wanted to know, oh, she's available now. Oh, absolutely. Not that I ever stopped him in the past. All mail coming into Jonestown was opened and read before being delivered. All mail going out was censored. So, I mean, literally like a U.S. prison. Yeah. Jones wanted any letters going out to be completely positive. If they weren't, they would be returned with notes on how they should be corrected. And a lot of these letters, it's really funny. Um, All these single ladies in the camp, in the town. If you like it, Jenny, put a bean. I can do that dance. We'll put that on the Insta. Not that. Okay. <laughs> no, but. I was about to be like, not that hard, but you're like, I'm going to put it on the Insta. I was like, nope, nope. Yeah. I won't say another word. <laughs> do that. No, but um, all these ladies, like, when their parents are back home worrying about their children, they start comparing notes, and it shows that, like, all of them have married the camp doctor who we're about to mention, uh, Dr. Larry Schacht. Like, they're all, because that was the thing, it's like, oh, it's it's so lovely here, and your daughter's marrying a doctor. So, <laughs> yeah. Jim Jones got his own residence, and the camp physician, quote unquote, I mean, he's technically a physician, yeah. uh, Larry Schacht, as Chris was just saying, he was a former junkie and had gone to medical school in Mexico on the Temple Dime. Uh, he had no problem ordering and importing drugs to keep Jones happy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, kind of a... A man without a lot of scruples. <laughs> what? <laughs> Probably. Everyone else lived in communal huts, sometimes with up to 12 people per hut. They had outhouses with 16 holes each and no toilet paper. Well, it's just like you were talking about last episode, where we were talking about communal living, and you're like, I want a communal bathroom. Yeah. And that's what they had. They had the Rome-style, just benches with holes in them. <laughs> <laughs> Look at somebody across from you in the eyes as you're both shooting yeah, neither one of you have toilet paper, and you're just making this awkward, like, <laughs> what are you going to do, face at each other? <laughs> Workers were limited to two-minute showers, and they were warned to keep their mouths closed while washing because the water was polluted. Yeah, fun fact, the outhouse was actually two stories, and the showers were on the bottom floor. Mm. Mm. Sexy. Old golden showers. That's so sexy. <laughs> and, you know, brown showers, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's funny, uh... When I was in Iraq, we had to do exactly this. Like We had two-minute showers that were called combat showers. Mm-hmm. There was a limited amount of, of water. Right. And it was also non-potable. So they told you, like, 
don't get it in your fucking mouth. Yeah. Not like, don't even rinse out your mouth and then spit it out because then it's yeah. coating your mouth. You're eventually going to swallow your saliva and could basically get fucking dysentery or a number of other things. Mm. So it's funny that we were told that in a war zone and this is a quote unquote paradise. Well, that story does not make me proud to be an American. You think we'd be able to figure out how to fucking like distill the fucking shower water at least for our our fighting troops distill huh well whatever it's called (laughs) (laughs) you alcoholic (laughs) there's distilled water no they had water for us to fucking drink you boil it and it it was it said the impurities out it was in plastic goddamn bottles yeah but when you're getting local water you can't really drink it whether it's potable for the locals or not it's not potable for you because is it racist to say it was full of camel shit regionalist regionalist I, I don't fucking know. No, it's not. It's not racist. The camels exist over there. But it, it's like when you go to Mexico, they say, "Don't drink the water. Drink it out of fucking water bottles." Because Montezuma's revenge. Did you ever see a camel spider? Yes. Those things are fucking crazy. Oh yeah, they follow the shadow. Oh yeah. So like, it would seem like they would chase you, but they're just trying to stay cool. They're just trying to get in your shadow. <laughs> but you see this spider the size of your hand. Ah no! Like. And they're fast. Coming towards you, what's your natural fucking inclination? Shoot the fuck out of it. No, you can't do that. But you would run. (laughs) And they would keep going. Because they're chasing that fucking dark spot. Because they know shadows are cool. Oh, no. I couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guns were smuggled into Jonestown. Whenever talking about the guns on the ham radio, Jones would refer to them as Bibles to keep from arousing suspicion. Like, can you imagine... Just listen to that radio. You're a CIA spy, as you know, they believed we're out there. What he always preached, we're right. out there listening. Yeah. It's like, uh, hey, we're going to need some of those fully automatic Bibles. <laughs> like, I particularly like the book of AK, chapter four, verse seven. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what? Yeah, no. And it is the 70s, so everybody's a ham radio, so there's a good chance someone is listening. There's, you know. Probably not the CIA no. like they were thinking, though. Is that, that's a 10-4, good buddy, 9-9-4. Nine nine they know. did not give a fuck about them at this point. No. Meanwhile, the temple was quickly running out of money. Donations in San Francisco had basically stopped after the New West article was released. Jones sent his followers to nearby Georgetown, which is capital of Guiana. Which also makes me think, they're like, oh, that one's named Georgetown after King George. We'll name ours after, or Jonestown after Jim Jones. Like, just completely derivative. Which real name was People's Temple agricultural project mm. but jonestown's a little easier to say it was yeah. kind of colloquially known as that yeah it, it takes a lot less work and money to predict you know produce that city limit sign <laughs> true <laughs> true well uh yeah he so he sent his followers to georgetown to beg for money and when that stopped working the members began making like wooden toys to sell in town just like santa's elves <laughs> i guess so Jim Jones, Santa confirmed. (laughs) New arrivals in Jonestown had their passports taken and every belonging other than the clothes on their backs were confiscated and sold in Georgetown. Uh, This still happens to this day around the world. For instance, you know, they're building a new soccer or several, I think, soccer stadiums in uh, Qatar. Mm -hmm. And they're using a lot of third country nationals to do that. So these people go there because they're going to get paid a lot. But the job foremans will take their passports and basically to get them back. You have to purchase them back. Oh. Well, the entire reason these people are there are to send money back home to their families. So they're sending all that money back home to support their families and then have a little leftover for themselves where they have to, you know, buy food 
pay for the shelter, which is right. basically provided by the companies that are employing them. So they don't have shit left in order to buy their passports to eventually leave. So it's basically indentured servitude. Yeah. It I happens w- in uh, UAE, too. Yeah, I was going to make a comment about Jim Jones being Santa Claus because, you know, socialism, everybody gets something, mm-hmm. you know, all that. Uh, but now you've made me realize he was basically a human trafficker. Yeah. And maybe Santa was a human trafficker. I don't know where the elves came from. Like, are they indigenous to the North Pole? Hmm. I think the story of the elves is worse than you think. <laughs> yeah. I think, as humans do, mm-hmm. they they were developed in a womb, mm-hmm. and they were extracted early. Oh, they're... That's why they're, they uh, only grow to that size, uh-huh. is because they're extremely premature, but Santa has that magical North Pole technology, hmm. and uh, used that to create an army of slaves, basically. Uh, socialist slaves. Santa Claus is a piece of shit. Yeah, we are cracking this wide open. I'm just saying. Yeah. Wake up, sheeple. Yeah, you Use got, your fucking brains. You got 10 more months to start the uprising, and we're going to take this motherfucker down. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to blow up. One day, we're just going to have sat footage of the North Pole, and there's going to be bodies laying all around the ground. Of just a- like Jonestown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, the thing about Jonestown was that the food was the most expensive and worrisome part of life. Jones estimated that a single meal with any sort of meat would cost about $2,000. And so instead, everyone ate rice with a real watery gravy. Mm, Yeah, that's delicious. Dessert was a single cookie served once a week, handed to each member by Jones personally. Like he's doing him a fucking favor. I know. Giving him a treat. Like A little dog. There's a thousand people there, so they got to line up, and he's got to hand out a thousand cookies one by one just so they can... Thank him for the fucking sugar cookie. They're probably fucking Chips Ahoy. Oatmeal raisin. You know, yay big. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the minis. I'm doing a small circle. They're the minis. They're coming out of, like, the little cup you get at the store for a dollar. He's like, here you go. Yeah. Happy happy dessert. They say pre-staled on them. (laughs) No, it wouldn't be Chips Ahoy. Can't afford Chips Ahoy. Yeah. You know, you're right. The store brand. It'd be like... Great value. Chips are here. Here you go. (laughs) Two chips in them <laughs> in each cookie. Yeah. Well, and the only thing they had to drink was water or a cheap Kool-Aid knockoff called Flavor-Aid. Still available today. I'm. Su- Is it really? Yeah. You I did s- not know You that. still buy Flavor-Aid today. Okay. I'm surprised they survived this, to be honest. Although everybody blames Kool-Aid, so. Yeah, well, that was probably big Flavor-Aid. Yeah. You know, they, their, <laughs> yeah. their PR team got to work fast. Little Don't is, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Little does anybody know, uh, Flavor-Aid is a division of Halliburton. <laughs> <laughs> We're just unveiling all these conspiracies. Yeah, you're welcome, yeah. America and the rest of the world. Yeah, wake the fuck up. Still, it wasn't all bad. Alcohol was banned in Jonestown. Mm, never mind. That's all bad. Wait, wait for it. <laughs> but the new arrivals or anyone who went to Georgetown would hit up the bars and return to Jonestown wasted and happy. You know, if you're only eating rice and water, like, you got to get wasted, like, super fucking fast. Yeah. You open a bottle of bourbon, you just, like, hit the vapors, you're like, oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> start throwing up. Yeah. Oh, I'm drunk. You start playing Little John and, like, fucking dancing all <laughs> stupid. <laughs> uh, the local natives brewed what the temple called jungle juice, and it wasn't uncommon to find temple members passed out drunk in their huts or in the huts of the natives. Which, to now, today, jungle juice is basically King's Cup. You just mix a bunch of liquors. Like, if you go to a party and then mm-hmm. you hear some jungle juice. I wonder if that came from here. Like, that trickled down. Like, yeah, we're going to make some jungle juice. It's going to fuck you up, just like Jonestown. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Good question. Well, the planning committee, or PC, decided beating people was no longer a good punishment because they needed to work. 
Instead, anyone who broke the rules was a pariah that no one would talk to or eat with. That's basically my life now. You get used to it. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Jim Jones never shut the fuck up. He constantly spoke into a microphone in his home that would broadcast his speeches throughout Jonestown. And when he was too drugged up to talk, they'd just play his recorded sermons on a loop. All right, guys, guys, guys. I want to workshop something here. You ready? You ready? Okay. All ready? Okay. And I'm proud to live in Jonestown. Jesus. Where I bathe in my own pee. <laughs> and I won't forget the man inside who took my wife from me. When he tries to stand up, he falls back down because he's fucking stoned. But there ain't no doubt I love Jonestown. God bless that Jimmy Jones. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anyway, here's Wonderwall by Oasis. <laughs> Every night at the main pavilion, he'd make everyone gather to listen to him talk about, you know, whatever his drug-addled mind thought of. What do you think stars are made of? <laughs> he said Idi Amin was a great leader. Mm-hmm. It's true. He said the Pentagon was drawing up plans to kill blacks and put them in concentration camps. Mm. He reminded them that they were only alive because they had followed him to the promised land. On September 7th, as workers were returning from the fields, Jones got on the speaker screaming that they were under attack. He ordered them to defensive positions with their pitchforks, shovels, and machetes while his guards patrolled with their firearms. He insisted that everyone hold their positions and kept them there for six fucking days. Not really, guys. They're coming at any minute. Just yeah. fucking... Oh, six fucking days. Eventually, he said they were going to hop on a boat and sail to Cuba and began loading everyone on trucks. When an elderly woman fell off of the truck taking them to port and broke her hip, Jones called off the evacuation. It was called a quote-unquote white night, and it would happen often after that. Occasionally, the U.S. ambassador to Guyana would stop by and find that everything was great. Everyone said they loved Jonestown and never wanted to leave. They would all gather and eat fancy meals with actual meat and vegetables, and they'd put on a show for the ambassador until he left. But in America, Jones's legal troubles were piling up. Tim Stone had fled Jonestown, and together with his wife Grace, they were fighting in court to get their son John back from Jim Jones, who continually ignored subpoenas and arrest warrants. Fun fact, he stopped calling their son John Stone once Tim left and started calling him Jim John. What you know. Yeah, he makes really good sandwiches really fucking fast. (laughs) Okay. Another family filed a suit to get their child back from Jonestown. Even Stephen Katsaris went to Guyana to try and convince his daughter Maria to leave Jonestown, even though he knew she was going to accuse him of sexual molestation. And the San Francisco Examiner published an article asking if the rail yard worker who had mysteriously had his head smashed by a train had been killed by the People's Temple. Nope. Nope, he just fell asleep on the train tracks, and you know this. Trains are notorious for sneaking up on people. Oh, man. Everybody knows trains will sneak right up on you. Trains are called the silent killer for a reason. (laughs) 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 Oh, fuck, he got me. Oh, shit! (laughs) As the walls began to close in on Jones, he came up with a new plan. The people of Jonestown would flee to the USSR. He ordered everyone in Jonestown to start practicing their Russian and constantly played the Tetris theme over the loudspeaker. <laughs> okay, he might not have done that last part. Yeah, no, but it is funny. He keeps... That, he, might, that might be an us thing. But, so, yeah. he does keep calling the Russian embassy in Guyana, which 
why does Russia have our embassy in Guyana? But either way. USSR. Yeah, USSR, the Soviet Union. He keeps calling them, saying, hey, can we come over there? And the guy gives really vague answers. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you come Siberia. It'd be great. And he's like, no, uh, okay, that sounds cool. When we come, uh, we'll come over today. And he's like, oh, no, 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 we, we're fumigating today. It's no, no good today. Uh, maybe you call back next week. Okay, bye. And he hangs up. But like, he's like, oh, that's a yes. We're going to Russia. It's fine. Everything's great. It did seem like a long back and forth exchange they were having. Yeah. But even towards the end, he's still like very, very sympathetic to the Soviet cause. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, but we'll put it that way for now. Yeah. The people of Jonestown were also forced into many more fake suicides, or these white knights, yeah. in which they'd get cups of Flavor-Aid, drink the liquid, and be told it was poison. This happened multiple times until Jones knew that everyone would drink when told to do so. Then he had Dr. Larry Schacht order the poison. It consisted of several things, but the main ingredient that's going to kill people mm-hmm. is sodium cyanide. Uh, 1,800 lethal doses? How much do you think that costs? You know, you would think it'd cost a lot, right? $8.85. Well, you know, back in 78, that was like (laughs) (laughs) $40,000. Well, basically, Jones had gotten like his uh, jeweler's license. Mm -hmm. And because you couldn't just fucking, you know, go on Amazon and order all this cyanide. I'm going to do it right now. So he was basically ordering a half pound at a time Mm -hmm. because that's what you can use to to clean. I think I want to say it's gold, but. Something to do with a jeweler's license. Oh. And he was ordering a half pound at a time. And yeah. I did not know that actually. Totaled $8.85. It's enough to kill 1,800 people. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. (laughs) Here I am spending money on bullets like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I say we take this moment, have a little break, go poison ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. And then we'll get back into the second half of the story. The, I'm not going to lie to you, listener. The bad half. Yeah. The messed up half. Yeah, it's so fucked up. I might actually drink cyanide and just see if I can finish this episode before it kicks in. I'm just going to put some whiskey inside of my bottom. Uh, Oh, butt chugging. Yeah, because it'll make me really drunk really quick. (laughs) So, I mean, I'm poisoning myself. Mm. I'm going to soak a tampon in rum and just shove it right up there. Yeah. Right in my pee hole. Oh, (laughs) I don't think that's how you're supposed to do it as a man. (laughs) Whatever. Or, I'm sorry, quote-unquote man. (laughs) Thank you for the quotes. (laughs) Let's go have a break. All right. All right. We are back from break. We back. Mm -hmm. We had more booze downstairs in the bottom half of this trailer park studio some may say too much yes probably too much you will be the judges and juries as we go forward the judge judy and executioner that's right (laughs) all right quick recap up to this point uh jim jones and the people simple had fled america they were down in guyana down in south america living it up in the jungle as everyone toils away and lives on water gravy and rice. Uh, Jim is living in his own personal hut and preaching all day on the microphone. And he's begun practicing what they call white nights, which is uh, mass suicide practice. Fake mass suicides. You drink a bunch Just of kidding, food. guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody gets up, they drink, they have their, their poison, they're getting ready to die, and Wolf Dick plays the sad horn. <laughs> 
They have their psychosomatic symptoms where mm-hmm. they gather around and like, oh no, my stomach's starting to hurt and all that. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, I, I was fucking kidding. So yeah. And after that, him and his doctor, Doctor Larry Schacht, purchased, like we said, a pound of sodium cyanide, which is eighteen hundred lethal doses, and that is where we're at right now. Well, shall we get back into it? Yep. Let's just dip right in. Dip our toes into that flavor aid. Mm. Like, oh, gross. Now this poison's ruined. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to taste his feet. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. (laughs) In May of 1978, Debbie Layton went to the U.S. Embassy in Georgetown and requested protection and help returning to America. Here are your condoms and your ticket, (laughs) ma'am. Don't spread any of these fucking Guyanese VDs, please. Well, she, you know, requested protection and help oh, returning to America. Oh, I got you protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm with you. Condoms. Ticket. Same page. Boom. Co-host chemistry happening right here. <laughs> she wrote a statement saying that Jones was planning a mass suicide. Jones got wind of this and ordered her brother, Larry Layton, who was still in San Francisco, to get to Jonestown ASAP. Larry was one of Jim's most faithful followers. You might remember him from last episode, where he gave up his wife, Carolyn Layton, so that Jim could have her to prove that he was loyal. You know, that's the thing. This guy gets an alliteration for a name, Larry Layton. Mm-hmm. Oh, Larry Layton. That sounds like so suave. Mm-hmm. Like, why couldn't I have that? <laughs> Greg Garolopoulos. Yeah? You know how sexy that sounds? It does sound sexy. Greg Garolopoulos. Sounds so Greek and Ron Jeremy. very Greek, like, yeah. When I, I'm hear, so hairy. You hear that? I picture Ron Jeremy. Just fucking mustache and curly hair, just yeah. going to town, man. So, just picture Ron Jeremy, regular dick. <laughs> man. Hey, just, ladies. Hey, ladies, you want some disappointment in a hair, hairy Greek guy to <laughs> flop oh, on top of you? Ron Jeremy looks like such a creep. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Like, imagine if Ron Jeremy just had like a, like just a tiny peen. Yeah. Oh, no, nothing would happen for Ron He'd be in jail. Yes. He'd be in jail. (laughs) Absolutely. Completely different ending to the Mario Brothers saga. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it does look like Mario. That live action Mario they used to have back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, the TV show, yeah. He looks like that guy. He does. Well, Jim feared losing Larry Layton. Larry Layton was actually, there's some rumors that he was uh, bisexual or bi-curious, like old bi-curious George, Mm -hmm. Mr. Muggs. Yeah. And that he actually wanted to have sex with Jim, and that's why he was always comfortable giving up. Not only Carolyn, he actually gave up- Come on, Jim, please don't fuck my wife. Please. Don't don't do it. Come on, please don't do it. (laughs) Well, if you must. (laughs) He actually gave up two women to Jim throughout this whole saga, but the most important was Carolyn because she had his son. Either way, uh, Jim feared losing him as a faithful follower. And so he had him shipped down to Guyana. Debbie Layton's affidavit wound up in San Francisco papers and just further condemned People's Temple. But I'm Larry Layton. I'm San Francisco treat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's rice aroni. Because <laughs> they're eating rice and gravy water. That's pretty much what rice aroni is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, well, Jones's drug use increased. He would spend days inside his residence without being seen by anyone besides his nurse, who constantly had to monitor his vital signs. He gained a lot of weight, so much that his new clothes had to be shipped from America. I'm telling you, this dude is fucking Elvis. Yeah. Everyone else is starving. Just fucking barely making it, working in the fields. They're all fucking ripped 
and jacked, but also emaciated because they're fucking living on rice gravy. Hmm. And he's like, give me a, a peanut butter and banana sandwich, you know? Just like Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Extra milk lard. Yeah. No, that's like this dude has always kind of looked like Pudgy Elvis. Yeah. And he's now getting more and more overweight. He's always got the glasses on. He's got that just jet black hair that he parts to the side. And, you know, that flamboyant, open-collared type of look that he has a lot of the time. This dude's fucking Elvis. That's yeah. all I'm saying. And he began to slur his speech. You know, he's so drugged out. He begins to slur his speech, but it sounds like he's, like, lost his fucking retainer. You mean like us? Yeah. In well, the second half of shows? Yeah, but even worse. He's like, hey, guys, let me tell you about the apocalypse. And that's the thing. You guys can go and like YouTube Jonestown clips. Yeah, the because the tapes. they were they were recording everything, all of these sermons and yeah. just even even stuff outside of the actual sermons. There's so much of it that was recorded. Yeah, go listen to it. It's these. It paints a good picture. And the thing is, you listen to these tapes without context. They're like, okay, he's just some random fucking crazy fucking preacher. Once you have the context with you, this is fucking horrible. This is yeah. terrifying <laughs> yeah. what he is saying. And of course, we'll get to a little bit more of that here. Once later. you realize, like, oh, people are buying all of this. Yeah. Or this is what this means. Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. He would often ramble so much on his microphone that his followers would sometimes just uh, shut off the speakers without him knowing, just so they get a moment of quiet. Like our average listener. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Seven minutes in. You God, can, these motherfuckers you don't can shut watch, up. You can watch the stats. Once we get like halfway through our intro, just fucking plummets. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm I want to see these stats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the temple used drugs to sedate any members who caused trouble or might raise an alarm when the U.S. Embassy came by for a visit. They were served cheese sandwiches laced with barbiturates, but they were so happy to have a fucking sandwich they didn't really even care. Like, just give me that fucking cheese sandwich. <laughs> Fuck, I'll, yeah, I'll munch those pills. Just yeah, I take don't the care. pills out of the cheese sandwich. Like, you I'll can, take them first. You can look at it. It's a cheese give sandwich. Give me a virgin cheese sandwich. <laughs> there's cheese sandwich, and there's just like pills sticking out of the top Hanging of the out. white bread. <laughs> don't even fucking care. Just <laughs> Well, whatever. Yeah. It's cheese, baby. There's protein in it. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. It's not mugs fucking ass bananas. No. You know? Yeah. I'm sick of peeling off shit to get to <laughs> yeah. a goddamn banana. I know, right? No protein having ass. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. I got potassium, but is it, was it worth it? Yeah. <laughs> no. My I heart's going into fucking palpitations. When when did Mr. Muggs eat peanuts and corn? This is bullshit. <laughs> well, unfortunately, and not surprisingly, Jones would often sexually assault the females who were drugged with these cheese sandwiches. No. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. It's it's double fucked up, not only because of the sex assault, but it's like there are a thousand people living there. I think if you offer half of them a cheese sandwich, they say, yeah, you can fuck me. I don't care. I got a fucking cheese sandwich out of the deal. But he, he was like, well, she's drugged up. Take her to my fucking private room. Fucking piece of shit. Is this when you realized that Jim Jones was a piece of shit? Chris? This exact moment right okay. here. Yes. All right. All right. <laughs> So now he's the bad guy. Yeah, he was okay up until this point. I understand ranting and raving into a microphone and no one giving a shit about it while you like play Wonderwall on your acoustic guitar. Uh -huh. I get that. Like I'm with you, buddy. Like wanting to create a society outside of the the realm of this U.S. government. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. But when you start sexually assaulting people, when you just give other people a cheese sandwich for sex, that's over the line, Mister. Over the line, Smokey. <laughs> 
As questions and concerns continue to be raised in America, Congressman Leo Ryan decided it was time to go to Jonestown and take a look for himself. He began preparations for a trip in November of 1978. My parents were married in November of 1978. Unrelated fun fact. Hmm. Which is weird since I'm like 65. Yeah, you were born in like 30-something, yeah, right? Yeah, they, they really took their time deciding if they wanted to. <laughs> I don't know. We produced this fucking asshole. Should we really just consider, you know, a lifelong commitment? Mm. I don't blame him. Well, Leo Ryan preparing his trip freaked Jim Jones the hell out. He increased the number of armed guards. The youth of Jonestown had formed a basketball team. and God, they sucked so bad. They literally never won a fucking game. You think it's because they ate fucking rice and goddamn watered-down gravy? Yeah, it's, you know, it's like the Jonestown team is taking the ball. They're dribbling up. Oh, no, their forward has passed out on the floor. <laughs> Georgetown has picked up the ball, and it's another easy layup. You know what? I give it to these Jonestown guys. They have a lot of heart. I can literally see it beating through their uniform. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Maceated little fucking kids. <laughs> Well, that team was in Georgetown in November, and Jones ordered them back, but they refused to leave until they won a fucking game. Nope, we're not coming back losers. We're going to win a game. It's just, it's Rudy all over again, except with, you know, suicide cults. That's, you know, my dad did this to me. It's, uh, I'd gotten beat up at school, Mm -hmm. whatever. And he's like, you need to face your bully. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to do yourself proud, do this family proud. So... I ended up in the same day fighting this kid again. Okay. He whooped the shit out of me <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. I went home that night. Locks were changed. He's like, no. <laughs> you'll be, you're going to beat somebody up. I was waiting for the bully to be your uncle. Was oh, that- no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, I went back to school and just beat the shit out of my uncle. Sorry. No. Go ahead. No, that's, ridi- that's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, basically, the locks were changed. Mm-hmm. I had to beat somebody up before I was able to come home. Just like this team, they had to eventually win mm-hmm. before they were able to go home. So what I did was I did uh, go to my uncle's and, you know, he trained me how to fight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we hit the speed bag and, you know, it's kind of like Rocky. Yeah. Take shirt off. Mm-hmm. Take your underwear off. Like just. Yeah. I remember that from Rocky. Get sweaty. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I eventually uh, beat up a small child on the kindergarten playground and my dad Dad accepted me again. What a prat. I think it was more because he didn't like my uncle, mm-hmm. but he let me back in the house. Well, what a proud senior year moment for you. Yeah. 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 It, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> On November 14th, Leo Ryan flew to Guyana with some family members of Jonestown Temple members, two staff members, and nine members of the media, including reporters from the San Francisco Examiner, San Francisco Chronicle, NBC News, Washington Post, and the National Enquirer. It would take a few days of haggling with Jones and the Temple's new lawyer before Ryan would be allowed inside Jonestown. Once he threatened to take away their tax-exempt status, Jonestown caved. On November 17th, Ryan and a small group of reporters were allowed to visit. They were told that the rest of the reporters and the family members would be able to visit the next day. Everyone except the guy from the National Enquirer. Fuck that guy. He's like, we found the real reincarnated alien Buddha in South America. You know, they want to print that shit. Marceline Jones, who had recently moved to Jonestown, was their tour guide. Come along. 
see who my husband's been fucking. That's not me. It's fine. I'm <laughs> yeah. okay with it. It's fine. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> the paths were swept, the cottages were cleaned, and fresh breads and pastries were baked. Mm. Like, where did they get all this shit? They couldn't feed everybody else, but all of a sudden we can... They went out and fucking bought it they in ma- advance. They, mm. they knew this was coming, and it's like, all right, we got to put our best foot forward. This isn't a sustainable daily thing. Right. But for a few days, yeah, we can do this so that the heat doesn't come down. Here's a cherry turnover for you, Congressman Ryan. Yes. I love cherry turnovers. Um, Excuse me. I don't mean to be out of line. Why does it say that it's from the Georgetown Poofy Poof Bakery? Oh, that's just, you know, it's just the boxes. We have to import, but we obviously can't make boxes in the jungle. What do you think, you fucking idiot, <laughs> Congressman? What are you, insane, <laughs> Congressman Leo? Yeah. The press interviewed Jonestown's members who swore they loved Jonestown and never wanted to leave. You know, I bet they had to lock up the bad actors, though. So, like, you'd have a guy, guy like, yes, I love Jonestown. I never want to leave. Smile at camera. Bold print. Do not mention that I am starving to death. Or an actual robot. (laughs) I have a human penis. (laughs) I don't know. Anytime I think of a robot, I imagine him saying that. (laughs) I have a human penis. Man, the Jetsons must have been fucking crazy for you. (laughs) Rosie? Yeah. I have a human penis. (laughs) Here's your dinner. (laughs) She rolls in there on her one wheel and just whips it out on the fucking dinner table. One wheel? She had one wheel? Yeah, she had one wheel foot, right? I don't know. Thought she had one. She had a nice little gyroscopic let thing us, going on in there, huh? Let us know in the comments what Rosie had for you know propulsion. Be as graphic as you can, yeah. please. Yeah. If anyone wants to in the comments draw a picture of Rosie with a human penis, we would greatly appreciate that. I don't know who the comments are, but please do it. <laughs> please do it. Well, that night, following interviews, there was a party with the Jonestown band performing. Jones was there, and he was mostly coherent, although he did ramble some about conspiracies and how much everyone hated socialism. At some point during the party, however, someone had passed an NBC reporter a note. They thought it was Leo Ryan. It was actually one of their reporters. Mm -hmm. It said, Vernon Gosney and Monica Bagby, please help us get out of Jonestown. Although he didn't raise the alarm at that time, Jones knew it had happened. A kid had seen Gosney passing his note and had snitched at him. And you know what they say, Greg. Snitches get stitches? No, Greg. Snitches get poisoned and die in a mass suicide. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Fuck that kid. Ryan had a plan to leave in the morning, and he was going to take anyone who wanted to leave with him. The next morning, before anyone else woke up, nine members of the temple fled into the jungle, using Ryan's visit as a distraction. Then all nine of these people would live. No one even noticed that they were gone. Meanwhile, more people came to Ryan and the newly arrived reporters to tell him that they wanted to leave. Jim Jones didn't get out of bed until fucking noon. He's living the fucking life. Classic. I'm not even going to lie. He's, he's up all night, sleeping all day, doing meth, taking some barbiturates, talking on the speaker about whatever comes to his mind. That is the ideal podcaster life right there. <laughs> Man, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Not all of that. But <laughs> Mo- I just wish I could sleep past like 
fucking 7.30 a.m. I know, right? It's like the weekend. Wife and I will get good and crunk the night before. Mm-hmm. 7.30. Yeah. Wide awake. Well, my pro- damn it. My prostate is so swollen, I can't sleep that late. I can't even, like, 4.30, I'm like, oh, fuck. I gotta get up to peak. <laughs> Maybe I can stay in bed. Maybe I can fall back asleep and just fight it for an hour. And I'm like, okay, fine. Fine, prostate, you win. Yeah, and your piss bottle's already full, yeah. so it's not like you can put it off. I've already pissed the bed like three times. <laughs> Fine. I'll go to the toilet. It's your twin bed, because you no longer <laughs> sleep with your wife. It's yeah. actually like you sleep in the walk-in closet. It's a futon, yes. But yeah. <laughs> but it's in the closet, you yeah. know, uh, much like you are. And <laughs> you, you've already filled the piss jug. Yeah. Man. You- it sucks getting old, right? You know what? Once your wife has left you and you're sleeping in a futon twin bed in the closet, who cares if you piss the bed at that point? Just You know, you've given up on life completely. But you don't want to desecrate the bed that you both used to sleep in. That's right. And I get that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jones tried to talk the defectors out of leaving, but no one listened. There were so many that Congressman Leo Ryan had another plane flown from Georgetown to the nearby airstrip. The defectors were loaded into trucks. As the trucks pulled away, Larry Layton jumped on one and said that he wanted to defect as well. I don't know why, but I don't believe him. No? Larry Layton, who gave up two of his wives to Jim Jones and wanted to have sex with Jim Jones? Well, you know, he'd been one of Jones's most faithful followers. We can all agree on that, right? Yeah, but, you know, he's like, you know what? I really like that fucking Whopper right now from Burger King. <laughs> I mean, their fries suck, but the hamburger's good, so, you know, let's go back to America. Fries do suck. Yeah. Right? All of their shit sucks. It kind of does. But, you know, I'm sure his his presence there probably made everybody feel like a little, I don't know. What is this guy doing here? Uneasy? Yeah. Uneasy? Yeah. Is that the word? Yes, it is. Uh, when defectors began to argue about their kids, Ryan said he'd stay back to mediate and would catch another truck. Hey, this is real, you know, cool breeze in it. Like, real cool of him to say, yeah, well, you know, I'm good. Y'all, y'all go ahead. Y'all go uh-huh, ahead. Uh-huh. I'm, f- I'm fine. Just a U.S. congressman here in a foreign country with a bunch of people who defected from the United States. Nothing bad could happen to me, right? <laughs> well, as he stood in the pavilion talking, a man named Don Sly grabbed Ryan from behind, put a fucking knife to his throat, and said... Motherfucker, you're gonna die! I like it. I like it. Two Temple members pulled Sly off of Ryan, and Ryan was cut slightly. Very slightly. Just a little bit. He then decided it was time to hop on the truck and get the fuck out of there. Just right then. Just get the fuck out. You know, I have... Yeah, no shit. I have the same rule about dinner parties. You know, you try to slit my fucking throat, I'm out of there. As soon as dessert is served. I've got bananas foster on the way, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. Why couldn't you wait? <laughs> All right, guys. Okay. <laughs> For real, though, it is about to get really fucking dark in here. Like, just awful shit is about to happen. About to be midnight, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. At around 4.15, the truck arrived at the airstrip. They began to board the planes with Larry Layton insisting that he be on the smaller plane with the other defectors. Not suspicious at all, right? Nope. Ryan agreed. The NBC crew decided to interview Ryan right on the airstrip. Just then, a tractor arrived with eight armed men on it. They immediately opened fire. Bang! Bang! Shot! 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 shot. (laughs) (laughs) A defecting member, Patricia Parks, was on the steps leading to the plane and was hit in the head by a bullet and she was killed instantly. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, oh sorry. I was <laughs> I was thinking of something. Something else. Okay, yeah. cool. NBC reporter Don Harris, NBC cameraman Bob Brown, not the same one that married Whitney Houston. San Francisco examiner photographer Greg Robinson and Congressman Leo Ryan were all fatally wounded and died on the runway. I'm real glad I made that fucking Whitney Houston joke right now. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I do wonder if half of our listening audience is like, well, what party was Congressman Leo Ryan? Let's see if I agree with this or not. <laughs> Good point. Well, inside the Cessna, Larry Layton pulled out a pistol and began shooting. He wounded defecting members Vern Gosney and Monica Bagney, the ones who wrote the note to uh, Congressman Ryan, and then the gun was wrestled away from him and he was held down. He's just such a fucking beta cuck. He's such a fucking bitch. I hate this guy. Well, nearby, four Guyanese soldiers watched the whole event unfold. Yeah, they're just looking around like, what the fuck are these Americans doing? Yeah. Well, they refused to intervene in an American shooting for fear they would be blamed, which at the time is fair. I agree. Yeah, you show up, you start shooting like the gunman or fucking Larry Layton, and all of a sudden, like, why are you killing Americans? And you're fucking joking and laughing, like, <laughs> oh, these crazy Americans with their problems, you know? Don't, yeah. they, don't they know what to, it is to live in a poor jungle country with <laughs> your neighbor Venezuela always threatening invasion? Hmm, nope, they're fighting over nothing. Hilarious. Yep. Well, the pilots of the two airplanes just said, fuck it, and took off immediately. Just out of there. Fuck it. The gunmen climbed back onto their tractor and rode back to Jonestown. Take it away, Greg. All right, guys. It is suicide time. Ooh. I've been there. Am I right? (laughs) At 4 p.m. in Jonestown, Jim Jones called everyone to the pavilion. Tim Carter overheard Jones arguing with his PC. You know, maybe he sh- should have got a Mac. That's oh, all I'm saying. Oh, God. But no, again, planning committee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, I keep using my bad joke. <laughs> Get used to it. Uh, but he kept arguing with the PC about there being no other way and accusing them of being afraid to die. And just a little side note here, uh, if you guys don't remember Tim Carter, he's not a major member of the uh, congregation, but... We did mention him in the last episode as being the guy who had only had 68 cents left to donate, and Jim Jones called him out in the, the sermon. Right. And that was... God knows what you donated. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. his immediate hook into the sermon. But he is one mm-hmm. of the survivors, and that is why we're able to get stories from him. Good point. Well, again, Carter had overheard Jones asking the PC if there was a way to, quote, make it taste a little less bitter, end mm. quote. So Tim Carter approached Jones and offered to kill the defectors if Jones allowed him to leave with his family. Jones, of course, declined, and Carter was separated from his wife and child. Yeah, he basically said, yeah, you can go if you kill your son first. And he's like, okay, never mind. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so he was separated by uh, Maria Katsaris. Jones then began to speak. Like most of his sermons, his final speech was recorded. And it's online. You want to hear it? It is. Yeah. You can look all this shit up. It begins with, quote, how very much I've tried to give you the good life. It's not slurry enough. <laughs> how very much. How very much I've tried to give you the good life. That's good. End quote. He continues to say that someone was going to shoot the pilot of Leo Ryan's plane while it was in midair. 
you know, the congressman that had left with the defectors. Mm -hmm. It wasn't his idea, but it was going to happen. Which is horseshit. Right. It was totally his idea. It was his idea. And Mm -hmm. everything up up until now is like, I'm so powerful. I control everything. It's like, ah, you know, those guys are going to kill the congressman. I can't do anything about it, but I know it's going to (laughs) happen. Yes. Well, in response, the enemies of People's Temple were going to parachute into Jonestown. Nothing like parachuting in the jungle. You know, this is the CIA and every fucking bad actor that they had always predicted would be there that were watching them from right outside the jungle wall. What a... They were all going to come at once and destroy them. What a stupid, though, civilian idea of 1970s badasses. Like, you you grew up in the 40s, You all of your heroes are the paratroopers, whatever, D-Day, Operation Market Guarded, all that stuff. When really you're in a fucking jungle, you're in the middle. Nobody's gonna fucking airdrop in the jungle. They're just gonna fucking sneak through the jungle and kill you from the perimeter. That's what they should have been thinking. Idiots. <laughs> I could have run this cult so Thumbs much better. Up their asses. Yeah, stupid. Am I right? Yeah, they're looking at the sky and there's just fucking trees over there with guys in tiger camouflage just waiting to fucking end it. Jones continued by suggesting that they should quote take the potion like they used to take in ancient Greece. Step over quietly, because we are not committing suicide. It is a revolutionary act. We can't go back. I like your slurred voice. End quote. It feels like you've practiced that before. Like this. I've never slurred in my entire <laughs> life, other than this podcast. Yeah, go back and listen to Whiskey Rebellion. We'll see. Yeah, true that. Well, Christine Miller stood up and asked about fleeing to Russia. Jones had been saying that Russia was willing to take them all in and set them up in Siberia. Yay. Yeah. But it was all a lie. Call back next week. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck would you want to go to Siberia? They Whatever. Didn't, I don't think they knew anything about Siberia. No, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds exotic. Yeah. We're already in an exotic place that sounded exotic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> what could be worse, a jungle or a barren frozen wasteland? Who knows? <laughs> we'll find out. Jim Jones told her Russia wouldn't want them. Yeah. Now they had killed fucking congressmen. Miller said as long as she has life, she has hope. In response, Jones said, Well, someday everybody dies. Some place that hope runs out because everybody dies. I haven't seen anybody yet who didn't die. And I'd like to choose my own kind of death for a change. I'm tired of being tormented to hell. That's what I'm tired of. Well, the crowd cheered Jones and told Miller to sit the fuck down. Shut up, woman! A man is speaking. I haven't listened to Jim Jones in so long. I'm sure that sounds nothing it's, like It's close that. enough. The slurring is the most important part. Tim Carter and his brother were taken to a hut and given suitcases filled with cash and gold bullion. You mean like the little cubes you put in soup? Maybe like actual fucking large quantities of gold bullion. So not the cubes you put in soup. Okay. Probably not. Not bullion cubes. <laughs> <laughs> Beef bullion. <laughs> They were told to escape with the money, and if they got away, to, quote, have a nice life. That's a pretty good deal. I'm not going to lie. Sure. Yeah. If they got caught, they were to kill themselves. Yeah. Okay, never mind. That's not good. Yeah. Carter was still concerned with his wife and child and returned to the pavilion with his suitcase. Like, he kept all the shit. Mm-hmm. When things didn't work out, came back. You got to think, right then, he's got a suitcase full of cash and gold. Mm-hmm. He can go up. It's something like $900,000 worth of cash. Yeah, he'd go up, get his wife and child, and just be fucking rich for the rest of their lives. Just get the fuck out yeah. of here. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. 
Again, he returned to the pavilion, and there he heard the crowd cheering as the tractor carrying the gunman returned and told everyone they had, uh, you know, killed the congressman. Yay! Wolf Yay. dick! Uh, give me the, the, the uh, what is it? The DJ horns. Not the DJ horns, the clapping. The fucking applause. Give me the applause, Wolf Dick. I like the DJ horns. <laughs> Do something. You haven't done shit this whole episode, you fucking invalid. Dr. Shocked and his nurses appeared on stage next to Jones holding bundles of filled syringes. It was time. Mm. The infants and children were the first ones to drink the flavor aid laced with tranquilizers, cyanide, and antiemetic, which is basically something to keep you from throwing up what you just ingested. Oh, man. That's yeah. rough. Yeah. Their mothers were encouraged to join them. <sighs> this is so fucked up. So I want to do it slurry, but to be respectful, yeah. I'll quote Jones. Who wants to go with their child has a right, he said. I think it's humane. Mm. Now, here's how cyanide works, which is the, the major thing that's poisoning these people. Yeah. Again, there's a tranquilizer in there. There's something to keep them from throwing it back up. Yeah, it's just to keep the, you calm and from yeah, puking. The yeah. cyanide is what is killing them. It prevents the blood from absorbing oxygen and basically leads to an internal suffocation. Ah, oh, so fucking horrible. The Poisoner's Handbook says, quote, The last minutes of a cyanide death are brutal, marked by convulsions, a desperate gasping for air, a rising bloody froth of vomit and saliva, and finally, a blessed release into unconsciousness. Jesus. So fucking humane. Mm -hmm. Fuck you, Jim Jones. As Tim Carter, you know, the guy with the briefcase, yeah. was just about to reach Jim Jones and demand that he stop, he watched as a nurse squirted the poison into the mouth of his 15-month-old son. His wife, Gloria, followed suit. Jesus Christ. So, being a parent makes you just a huge fucking wuss. And so, just thinking about this, like, anytime I think about, I have a seven-year-old, anytime I think she's, like, she, she's going to get cancer, she, you know, something terrible is going to happen. I'm like, that's it for me. I'm just fucking done. Yeah. Like, right there, if I saw my daughter being injected with poison and my wife followed suit, I don't give a shit. I'm done. I'm just fucking done. Give me the poison, too. I just do not fucking care. Yeah. That's fucked, man. Yeah. Well, people began to scream and cry as they watched young children and their mothers die painful deaths on the ground. Now, here's a thing about this poison. Mm-hmm. Cyanide will cause death within five minutes for, for children. Yeah. Like, less for babies, like infants. Yeah. Less. And an estimated 20 to 30 minutes for adults. She's just suffering for fucking 20 minutes. Ugh. But here's the deal. Mm -hmm. These people were giving their kids the doses first. And they got to watch their kids die. Yeah. Ugh. Imagine that. Jesus. Watching fuck. their kids go through this painful, convulsive, frothy sputum death god damn it and then they go through it themselves and fucking jim jones he doesn't care it, it's none of it matters to him and he didn't really consider what happens when you die of cyanide poisoning he's like it'll be a quick and efficient socialist fucking death well, that's the thing like as as this whole process goes on there are people that speak up like thank you jim jones ah, for this and yeah they, they give him these these speeches, yeah, just really praising him. It, and he eventually gets annoyed with them because he just wants the process to hurry up. Yeah, it really does make those tapes hard to listen to once you know what's actually fucking happening on those tapes. 
Well, armed guards began to press everyone forward in line. If they weren't going to take the poison, it was clear they're, you know, they were going to be shot instead. Yeah, it didn't matter. So they kind of had to, I hate to say it, pick their poison. Although it's so weird to see the control Jim Jones has over these people. Hmm. And the group think of, I'd rather die this way than that way. Because you got a thousand people and probably 20 armed guards. If you bum rush the 20 armed guards, the fight's over. You win. Like, you're not going to fucking die. Like, okay. a, a few people will die, get shot or whatever, but the the majority... Sure. But because of groupthink... Look be, at any concentration camp ever. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just, this is what is happening to me. And you go along with the group and all that. And I don't blame those people at all. Uh, you know, this is a horrible thing that's being done to them at the behest of a fucking crazy person. But you do think, okay, what if... Just then, just then, 10 people said, fuck you, we're going to fight. Yeah. But looking back on it, there are people who survived it, people who weren't in Jonestown at the time, but were members of People's Temple, like uh, members of the basketball team who said, you know what? If I'd been there, I would have taken the fucking poison just to end it all. I was just so fucking tired. Well, one of the PC members got on the microphone and told people to remain calm and to keep their kids calm. She said, quote, they're not crying from the pain. It's just a little bitter tasting. Bullshit. Yeah, I bet. Marceline Jones screamed at her husband, You can't do this! But he didn't acknowledge her. By 6 p.m., all of the children in Jonestown, including five of her grandchildren, were dead. Yes. And now it was the adult's turn. A vat of flavor aid was fetched along with hundreds of paper cups. As some protested, Jones got back on the microphone and said, Lay down your life with dignity. Stop these hysterics. This is not the way for people who are socialist or communist to die. What is the way for communists to die? Stalingrad? I guess. He then began a rambling monologue. We used to think this world was not our own. Well, it sure isn't. We said, 1,000 people who said, We don't like the way this world is. He paused to tell someone to take some, and then continued, Take our life from us. We laid it down. We got tired. We didn't commit suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide, protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Then the tape ran out. Back at the Georgetown office, word began to spread among People's Temple members about what had happened at Jonestown. Jones' son Stephen and the members of the basketball team were planning to go to the U.S. Embassy to try and stop what was happening. At the same time, Sharon Amos took her four children and another member, Chuck Beekman, into the bathroom. She slit his throat, then she slit her two youngest kids' throats. Mm -hmm. Her oldest daughter was 21. She helped Sharon commit suicide, and then... Slid her own throat. Suicided herself. <laughs> if you help someone commit suicide, it's basically a homicide. I'm just spitballing here. I guess. Yeah, euthanasia. I mean, they kind of want it. Yeah. I don't know. Was Kevorkian a murderer? You should have seen what they were wearing. They were asking for that suicide. Oh, my God. <laughs> the survivors of the airstrip attack made it to Georgetown and relayed to authorities what had happened. 120 members of the Guyanese Defense Force flew to a nearby airstrip and made their way to uh, 
the airstrip inside the jungle yeah, we're, that we're talking Leo about. Leo Ryan yeah. had been killed. In the yeah. yeah. They made it there just after dawn the next morning. A small detachment was left at the airstrip. The rest pushed on slowly to Jonestown. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of people question why they're going so slow. Well, at this point, you know... They don't know what the fuck's out there. The assassination <laughs> has happened at the airstrip. You don't know what's happening at Jonestown. Mm-hmm. And so you're worried you're walking into an armed ambush. And so they take their sweet-ass time getting all the way to Jonestown. Yeah. Upon their arrival, they found bodies everywhere. Mm. In the center of the pavilion was the body of Jim Jones, dead from an apparent gunshot to the head. What a little bitch. Yeah, he's laying on a little pillow. Yeah, and there's not even, it's hard to tell because of the, the time lapse. Mm-hmm. They don't find a gun near him. I think the, the closest gun is like 20 feet away. And so it's hard to tell if he actually shot himself, like he had, at least had the guts to shoot himself, or if he had someone else from one of his bodyguards shoot him. Uh, apparently from the Guyanese coroner. Like, it was obvious that he had shot him. So it was consistent with a self-inflicted okay. wound. So I'm assuming there was the, the remnants of the powder on his hand okay. well, and all that. Even then, he's looking around watching all these children and women and elderly suffer on the side. And he's like, nope, not me. Yeah. Fuck that. Well, besides that, no one else was shot. But later, doctors would be able to identify signs that some were held down and forcibly injected with poison. The first body count totaled 383. On Monday, it increased to 408. Well, on Tuesday, three days after this whole mass murder-suicide thing occurred, American forces arrived and discovered that the Guyanese were only counting the top layer of bodies. Jesus. The heat and humidity, along with rats and maggots, Mm. had caused the bodies to decompose rapidly, especially those on the bottom layer of the corpses. Which were all the children. The recovery teams had to use snow shovels to Ugh. pick up some of the remains. Ugh. By Friday, the final death toll was realized. At Jonestown, 909 people died, including 304 children. In Georgetown, four people had died from Sharon Amos's knife attack slash suicide. And on the airstrip, five people, including Congressman Leo Ryan, were killed by gunmen. The total number of lives claimed by Jim Jones in Jonestown was 918. Not quite the thousand that he had, uh... No, a thousand. Yeah, he'd, prophesized. He'd, he'd kill a thousand to keep uh, socialism alive, but... Well, didn't work. Didn't make it. 409 of the bodies could never be identified. Half of them. Larry Layton was arrested and was the only person charged with any crime connected to Jonestown. And he, in case you guys don't remember, Larry Layton was the guy who was one of Jones's most faithful followers, gave up two of his wives to Jones, and shot two people on the Cessna on the uh, airstrip where Leo Ryan was killed. In 1987, he was sentenced to two life sentences for aiding in the murder of Ryan. But wouldn't you know it? He was released in 2002. Yeah, there was some sort of technicality. 9-11 fucked everything up. <laughs> God damn it. It really did. But no, there was, there was some sort of technicality where they said that like in 1987, he didn't get the proper defense or something. So they yeah. went ahead and commuted his sentence. On December 6, 1978, the remaining members of People's Temple in San Francisco filed papers to have the church dissolved. Jim Jones was dead. And so was his church. No, damn it, Wolf Dick, this is not the time to play the sad horn. Trying to keep this serious. God. He's unbelievable. No, not the Halloween noise. Jesus. You know what? Let's just end this episode. Just right fucking there. Fuck you. All right, Greg. It is time for our 
I don't know if anybody actually thinks this is their favorite segment, but we're going to say it is. It is their favorite segment. We tell them what is their favorite. We're in control. And here. you'll like it. Yeah. Surprises slash misconceptions yeah. you might have had about this story. Do you want to kick it off? I'll do that. Okay. You know, last week we didn't really have one. Right. Because we knew most of the story. Yeah. Yeah. I did learn something this week, though, mm-hmm. because this source is pretty exhaustive. Absolutely. Yeah. So my surprise or misconception this week, cyanide was fucking cheap. <laughs> no shit. I didn't realize you could just get a jeweler's license mm-hmm. and import mass quantities of it for extremely reasonable price. Right. I mean, it reasonable if you're a regular human that's doing regular human things, probably not. Well, let's just say- That's if, a luxury. If but I, if you're getting ready to kill a bunch of people- Yeah. Oh, dude. Let's just say if- I was on the prices right. We were playing one of these pricing games, and there was a pound of cyanide. <laughs> Enough there. cyanide to kill fifteen hundred people, uh, mm, or eighteen hundred. I, I, I don't know, Bob. Maybe a hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, the big red X or God, whatever. I would think like five thousand. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh, nope. and he flips over the sign. Like eight, nine bucks, eight, bro. eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> you know the sound. Yeah, yeah. I, I would. You yeah. know, you'd just have to. Shake his hand, but <laughs> yeah. then you're the guy yeah. that's obviously drunk, and so you also give him, like, the half hug. You still got to spin and the wheel. He, but then he's got, like, you, you know, he didn't really he didn't really like the half hug back in the day. No. This is before yes. Drew Carey. Yes. So you give him the half hug. Mm-hmm. He's sitting there with a little skinny mic, and you like, hey, I'm a funny guy. Yeah. And you, like, deep throat the skinny mic. Like, oh, 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 <laughs> is that funny, guys? And the security takes you off stage. Yeah. Sir, you're not allowed to spin the wheel. He has to explain it. And the fucking showdown showcase or whatever, the spinning wheel. He's like, we had three people on this part of the show, but one of them tried to fucking fellatio my drumstick microphone. So it's over. You spin the wheel and like as the spokes on the outside are going around that turn the ticker, yeah. you whip your dick out. It's of the other side. Yeah, you're meeting the fucking rhythm of it. It's basically that. That's my surprise slash misconception all right well what's yours oh well mine's not i don't think mine's as, as humorous uh mine is basically i think a lot of people look back on this hey look back on a lot of these cults these mass suicides or something like that like a uh, waco or heaven's gate and they think all these people are fucking nutters they're just crazy people who bought into something crazy yeah and so what you have to realize is jim jones knew what he's doing and he picked on the poor people who needed help and so you have these, like, especially the black communities, whereas, you know, they, they've grown up and they've experienced the fucking, you know, fire hoses and dogs being sicked on them and all that shit. And he's like, yeah, that's happening in America. I can protect you. I can do good things for you. I can pay your electric bill. I can make sure your landlord, landlord's not fucking you over. I can take you to the nice restaurants. And so they fall in love with him. And then once he starts preaching the crazy shit, he starts saying, yeah, they're trying to put all the blacks in concentration camps in America. I'm like, well, he hasn't ever lied to me before, and I saw how they treated us 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and so I can buy into it. So a lot of people think that all these people who bought into the cult were crazy. Well, they weren't. They were misled, but they had a... a gullible. Hit. Yeah, gullible, but they had a history of being treated like shit, and they found a guy who treated them nice up front, and that's all it took to suck them in. Because the whole thing was, is I'm going to be nice to you up front. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Guyana, have a party in the back. Yeah. 
This whole cult is a mullet. Yep, exactly. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this story. Yeah, I hope you you were able to make it through all the the tough shit there on the back end because it was rough. And if you didn't make it through the tough shit, well, how are you? Shit. How are you listening now? You skip all the fucking shit just to get to our fucking social media plugs. What a fucking idiot, (laughs) (laughs) dummy. Well, I guess you earned it. Uh, (laughs) We are at one hundred proof history. At uh, all the social media stuff. Mm-hmm. Find us at 100proofhistory.com. You can uh, send us emails for show suggestions. You can leave us voicemails, talking shit, mm-hmm. giving praise, whatever. All that stuff. All yeah. the fun stuff. But again, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with you. We got a real treat for you next time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Greg's nipples are hard. He's erect. So I'm going to go with it. Yeah. It's going to be a real treat. (laughs) All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. It's Hunter Proof History. Relax. No, seriously, relax or I'll tie you up. (laughs) Too much. Do it. Is it? I don't know. I don't know what's too much. <laughs> Told you. Regular barbecue, not KC Masterpiece, you fucking bitch. <laughs> you dumb cunty whore. <laughs> the total number... Number. <laughs> I'm a baby. The total number. I'm a baby. baby. This is the baby Give me a kitty, Bobby. <laughs> Slash yeah. uncle. Yeah. I'm coming to the bar. Hey, baby, give me the kitty. <laughs> <laughs> Got so much pee in my balls.